0: Good morning! This is Tom Merritt, host of Daily Tech News Show, Cord Killers, and Current Geek, and author of Pilot X, now available at TomMerrittBooks.com. And you
1: are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. Good Welcome to Too Much Scrolling for November 23rd, 2021. I'm Steve Fodor.
2: I beg your pardon. I'm Thomas Turquette.
1: And
0: I'm
1: Pam Vidor. Pam's here. It's a, it's the best day. <laughs> she got a little flummoxed by Thomas Turquet, though. Is that French? <laughs> Is that a French name?
2: It's it's an, from an undisclosed European country. We we don't disclose it. It just has a um, an accent. Yugoslavia.
1: Film at 11. Uh, Brings us to our Film at 11, our Movie of the Week. Chip, you went to the movie theater
2: and you saw a movie that you're going to tell us nothing about. Steve, I went to a movie theater. I thought I was going to have a private screening, but we did have a family show up in front of me. So I shared my private screening with a family. I got to see Ghostbusters Afterlife.
1: La, no, la, so. la 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 all right tell us almost nothing about ghostbusters afterlife chip because i have not seen this yet
2: so this is a film that a lot of people have been waiting for certainly it's been hmm. one of those films it's been on the shelf that COVID has delayed the release i think it was supposed to be released last um november uh, yes am i correct yes that is it that is correct sir it's yes. one of those films that has a nostalgia play to it. It also ends up having, you know, a lot of young actors on it. So it's, it's got, there's something really there that, that even okay. before you you see it. And what I want to, to leave you with is that if you like films like E.T. or Back to the Future or The Goonies, this film is a really good play on that type of film. I mean, it's it's not gonna be your Oscar winner. It's a little adventurous, but it really is designed for the young people and kind of going through what, what they're going through, you know, uh, this, this ghost happening and what grandpa kind of left for them. You know, what do we get from this? We get um, a mom that's kind of flustered, who's having difficulty in life. Her father passes away they inherit uh, what it looks like a spooky house. And then they head off to this adventure in Oklahoma. And I really enjoyed sitting into this. So if you're looking for a family movie, that's something that that grandma could sit through, that your 10-year-old could sit through, not you know young kids, but certainly a, a, a kid uh, could listen, uh, watch and enjoy. I think you're going to find this is an enjoyable film. Is it forgettable? Possibly. But you know, th- <laughs> there was something, there's, there's something about E.T. that was enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a little bit of um, banter that's certainly of, of a kid nature that's, um they're kind of discovering stuff and th- there's there's science in it. In, in sort of an explanation. I I like this, I will say 65 out of 100.
0: That sounds like a great recommendation for me. My 10 year old, for whatever reason, has started with a couple of friends to create one ghost story for every room in the school.
2: Wow. And so
0: I don't know where these project ideas come from, but I love it. So I read the uh, gym and cafeteria stories last night and they were pretty awesome. So we've got to go see this movie. Thank you, Chip. We'll do that.
1: Do you have fond memories of Ghostbusters, Pam?
0: I'm not sure if I ever saw it.
1: No, too pop culture-y for you?
0: No, <laughs> I just, don't, yeah. I didn't go to the movies when I was a kid. I, we didn't, that's it just, just not how I grew It part of up. your lifestyle. We didn't so have just, a television. So, and we, I don't think I went to a movie until university. And, wow. and let me
2: clear this up too. A lot of people have fond memories of Ghostbusters, and Steve is certainly one of them. Gotcha. But, when, <laughs> but when Ghostbusters came out for me, it looked so. When I say commercial, every nuance of this was sold from the the song, the Ghostbusters theme, to all the product placement they had in it, uh, to you know the the deals they made with the little restaurants and stuff like that. It was it rubbed me the wrong way. Where Star Wars what they were trying to recreate rub me the right way in the sense hmm. that it was also a very commercial uh, type of endeavor uh, until Re- return of the Jedi, where they made like, the uh, Ewoks, which were going to be the teddy bears, Steve. Right. So this was, you know, I enjoyed Ghostbusters, but the original one, but it wasn't like uh, this, this pillar that a lot of people uh, place on it. Uh, I think the strongest part of this film is the young people Mm -hmm. and that is what i really I, i think that when you go there that's what you're going to relate to and their adventure that they go through once again kind of like the goonies okay
1: i i really look forward to this again my uh lifestyle choices are i don't watch trailers i know nothing about this film i do know that the uh world's sexiest man, Paul Rudd is featured in this. And I don't know to what degree he is featured and I don't want
2: to know. So don't tell me, but well, I, no one has enjoyed this title more than he has in the most <laughs> humble and beautiful way. He showed up on one of the late night shows with a tiara and a uh, sash, which was pretty funny. And the other part is, is that he, he was interviewed. I think he said like, uh, how can I be voted this when, you know, there's, um, and he named some actor out there, so he certainly is having a lot of fun with it.
1: He's he's at least the nice guy about it. He's definitely not the uh, uh, anti-Semitic uh, world sexiest man from years past, so that's good. We've got that going for us. I'm talking look... about Mel Gibson. Uh huh. That's the one. He was not nice about when he won it, so he was. Uh, he's, he's Mel Gibson. We, we come don't on, talk... man. It, it's a
2: it's a fake title.
1: not for the winner you can say that all you want but for the winner this is important it's a whole year for the whole year he is the world's sexiest man People Magazine. Used to be important. Look it up, kids. I look forward to seeing this. I I do look forward to the the childish adventure and I hope that it, it encourages those sorts of writings from the next generation. That's what reboots are supposed to do, right? If I had this joy of this movie in 1985 when I was 10, then this generation should have the opportunity for that same enjoyment of that. And I hope that this sparks that in the next generation
2: and that just kind of brings up another part every movie doesn't have to be a franchise every movie doesn't have to be a world building type of material sadly sony is choosing to make it a franchise
1: okay i I, the filmmaking is a very expensive process and and having the name on the title certainly makes it Something that you you need to keep going in order to make the money from that title. You saw another movie though. This is a, a another Sony picture. This is the Lost Leonardo. Tell us all about that one,
2: Steve. This is a Sony Pictures classic. Oh, we should. We I always I watched this film segment. with a glass of champagne. Oh, and the finest caviar I could afford
1: and a top hat.
2: I did. I, in fact, that, that was it wasn't a top hat Steve I was in it was a smoking jacket and an ascot that's what I watched it's called The Lost Leonardo it is about the Salvador Mundi Leonardo that was discovered the idea behind it was that somehow this man was in New Orleans and bought uh, the Salvador Mundi for like $1,100 he had it reviewed by Leonardo da Vinci scholars they were inconclusive of whether this was a true Leonardo da Vinci painting. This painting had to be restored significantly. So once again, we've got another part to this story. And then we get into where this painting gets sold for an outrageous price because it is potentially a uh, da Vinci. And uh, the politics that are involved of trying to authenticate uh, this. We get a a backstory of how the art market works. We get a backstory about the politics involved between countries and between art institutes and between people who are critics and experts in reviewing these types of things. There's a lot to this story. And if you have interest in this event happening, this potentially lost leonardo da vinci painting which there are i can't remember what there are 15 in the world this is a very fascinating movie and i I Mm. recommend it this this came out in august as with many movies they're just getting kind of lost because of how you know as covid kind of opens things up and i just happened to see that it was available and i watched it and i enjoyed it nice I would Pam, say do you- uh, I don't know, sixty-five out of hundred, too. <laughs>
1: Just as good as the Ghostbusters. That's that's the the headline for your, but, the, yeah, for
2: a different audience. There, there's, a different that's audience. the point. Is that mm-hmm. you know what's good for a family audience? Uh, this this probably wouldn't. This would be good for my father.
1: Pam, are you a art lover? Do you do you have any interest in studying art?
0: I might see this. I'm not sure. I just I, did an amazing puzzle though, an amazing 1000 piece jigsaw puzzle uh with uh postcards of famous art pieces. Uh, and so that's and I do love doing jigsaw puzzles of artworks. I know that sounds kind of random, but yeah. it's a really fun way to see the colors and the lights because you spend so much time looking at details. So nice. maybe that's weird, rather than go watch them, the movie that Chip just described I do a puzzle.
1: No,
2: you love puzzles. Okay. I do. It's, it's Steve's favorite art is Garfunkel.
0: Right. <laughs> Very
1: nice. Okay. Well done. You've uh, also. Oh, it wasn't watching... that funny.
2: It was the sound of silence, right? <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! <laughs> one more, Chip. Keep going. <laughs> He's looking one up real quick. Simon says. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pam, you've also been watching Grey's Anatomy, that TV show about the about the surgeons and and their love lives, right?
0: You guys, I don't know what's happening to me. I am 100% not recommending this guilty pleasure, but I will admit that over the past month, I have watched not one, not two but six seasons since I last (laughs) met with you guys. (laughs) I have watched six seasons of an 18-year-old show that isn't that fantastic, but you know, I feel like
2: I'm- It's about about the endurance at this point.
1: (laughs) The completionist in you.
0: Here's what happened to me. So I am working really hard on my Canada crime fiction monograph and so I've been reading tons and tons of detective stories and it's really hard to keep them all straight as I'm writing about them and then I've been doing some things with um you know dystopia sci-fi as as usual and I wanted something totally outside of my genres that wouldn't interfere in my mind with like all of these narratives because sabbatical has been wonderful, but I have read and watched so much compared to usual because I'm not spending 40 hours a week in meetings with students, teaching, whatever. And so I felt like I needed something that was completely like, wouldn't interfere with any of my work. And I am hooked, like hardcore hooked on a product that I can't really recommend, but so maybe I am sort of recommending it in a weird way. I am just like fascinated. And, you know, one of the things I think, so Grey's Anatomy is a medical drama. And the other day I said to someone, someone said, oh, how's sabbatical going? And I said, well, it's been filled with medical drama. And they were like, oh no, what happened? And I was like, oh, I'm watching Grey's Anatomy. Oh my so, you know, And that's, this isn't the right semester to have a medical drama joke, obviously. But um, <laughs> but it it's so compelling because like I watched, a ton of detective fiction, I've got all these detective shows that I'm saving for after my book is over. And the hospital show works in almost the same way. You know, someone comes in, there's a lot of impaled people. But anyway, someone comes in with something quite dramatic, a dramatic medical condition, and there's some detective work going on. And then, you know, there's no fear of you can kill main characters in this kind of show, you can kill all their relatives. I mean,
2: Let's help longtime listeners. We'll just call this Pam's Tiger King. Exactly. Oh, dear. Chip,
0: I agree to that. I will agree to that (laughs) characterization and I will stop now. But that's what I've been watching.
1: The, the characters in Grey's Anatomy are pretty amazing. The The writing is pretty solid. Shonda Rhimes, who is the creator of Grey's Anatomy, went to my high school and graduated a year before I did. Oh, so that's so cool. I, nice I never that. actually knew her in school, but I knew of her, and I've emailed her many times, and she's not replied. <laughs>
2: Well
0: there you have it Recommendations from from us But
2: but Steve This is Thanksgiving week And of course that means we got movies coming up That's right there's some openings this week
1: The first one is The House of Gucci Directed by Ridley Scott Featuring Lady Gaga Adam Driver, Al Pacino And Jeremy Irons Wow that's some
2: heavy hitters on there (laughs) So We got Kylo Ren and Alfred Steve, along with the lady who wears the meat uh, dress.
1: <laughs> the lady who wears the meat dress. As if Lady Gaga wasn't a bad enough nickname. The <laughs> meat lady. Good. <laughs>
2: that one's this looks actually do well. pretty good, especially yeah. if you have interest in Gucci. <laughs> the,
1: there is a. There's. Just the way you said Gucci struck me as funny. I don't know why. You just said, Gucci. <laughs> There's a movie called The Humans coming out. It's going to be in theaters and on the Showtime cable network. Tell us about this one.
2: This one looks, it was based on a play as far as okay. I, you know, my reading of this. And basically it's a uh, Set in a pre war duplex in downtown Manhattan basically follows a little bit of um, Thanksgiving, Steve. And anyway, it's there's something mysterious happening.
1: Yeah, there's not many Thanksgiving movies out there. There's planes, trains, and automobiles, and, and then there's that animated turkey movie that is just, no, don't bother with that one. The Humans takes place on Thanksgiving, a family gathering for Thanksgiving. What an interesting idea for a movie! Based on a play, I, I, I'm i interested in finding out more about the humans. There's Encanto. This is the animated film. A young Colombian girl has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. This sounds like a movie th- that is squarely set for
2: your kids, Pam.
0: Absolutely. I love that idea.
2: So this is Disney. It's got Linwell um, Miranda, uh, who has written the music of it, Steve. So it's going to be like Hamilton. But, you know... In Colombia. And probably less potty
1: mouth because it's Disney.
2: Possibly. Yeah. But Steve, you know what we're really looking forward to is on Sunday when the Danish people, the people of Denmark have given us their version of Squid Game's.
1: Oh, dear. Is that what this is? This is called Elves, and it's premiering on Netflix on Sunday. It's a series about Christmas vacation turning into a nightmare because they have elves with knives.
2: Or gnomes. (laughs) I mean, or gnomes. This is, um, this looks kind of, it just looks interesting. I mean, what do you get? You get people speaking Danish. um, And then, uh, you know. So something's going on, and it's
1: Christmas time. I the the cover of it looks like Puppet Master, and I can't get past my idea that this is a cheesy movie. So that means I'll probably watch it.
2: Book it. Book it. Book it.
1: Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it. Book it brings us to our Book at our Book of the Week. The reason Pam is here is because we have this sort of a book club that we sort of do now. We we had sandwiches at irregular hours for the entire year, and now we have Pam in once a month to discuss a book. It was my turn to choose a book, so I chose a book that really fits well with November. This is Pilot X by friend of the show Tom Merritt. This was published in 2017, and the reason why it fits so well into November is Tom Merritt is a big fan of Doctor Who, and this story is very Doctor Who, and this is a book that Tom wrote during NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month that Pam is in the middle of right now.
0: Ooh, Pam is pretty behind on her nano writing. <laughs> but anyway, we don't need to. We don't need to do updates on that. Gray's
1: okay. Anatomy six so- <laughs> seasons.
0: Thank you, Steve, for that <laughs> reminder of how I'm spending my time. Tiger King, which I Iger thought King. would be perfect for Nano. But you guys, okay. So I actually I am a huge fan of Nano as you know. This is, I think, there's there November is the big one, but they have two smaller NaNo's in the. In the years. So I think this is my 15th or 16th time of, of giving it a shot. I'm also a big fan of Tom Merritt's podcast, Sword and Laser, um, mm-hmm. which I haven't listened to in a while, but I really, really loved and will catch up on when I have a chance. So this was really exciting for me. I also love time travel and reading this made me realize, you guys, we've read a lot of time travel books together.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing, <laughs> Pam, let me explain. I have a specific genre that I read, and I basically only read time travel, and uh, so yes, we discuss a lot of time travel books in our conversations, because that's pretty much all I read. This one, I like this book very much, but I gotta say, it is definitely a book that I can feel how the author wrote it. I can I can feel that he was really trying to get this novel written in the month of November.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I liked it a lot too. Here's the thing. So when you're writing a nano, you're trying to write 1,667 words every day. Mm-hmm. And just like pause to think about that. It's quite an undertaking. Now, obviously, The idea is that during the month of November, you build out a draft of this crazy world and then you spend many months actually editing it and figuring it out, which I'm sure Tom Merritt did. But NaNoWriMo does lead to very episodic narrative. Yes. Yeah. time travel is super suited to episodic narrative, right? Because, of course, you're moving from one time to another. So it's not surprising that it had that feeling to it. But yes, I agree with you. I enjoyed it, but I know exactly what you mean, Steve.
1: I think he really, really put his foot into that episodic feeling. He really had these segments. And my favorite part of it is the naming conventions, where this group of people, they name themselves by their career followed by their name. So Pilot X is not his name. That's his job, followed by his name. And there's a whole great conversation about the the one character who accidentally calls him X. And he's really aghast by... That is so personal for this society. You don't call somebody their name without their title. And Pilot X's title changes, you know, five or six times during the course of this. And that
2: episodic feeling is is really embraced here. So so PLOX uh is not French for one who flies? Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, oh, yes. it yes. changes changes the whole meaning. <laughs>
1: this is this is a French film.
2: <laughs>
0: well going back to the naming conventions, I liked the other thing that I loved about this, and you guys I haven't watched very many doctor who's i've watched some and i have every intention of watching all of them but i'm just not there after and Grey's so, anatomy <laughs> listen <laughs> you guys are never gonna <laughs> let me live this confession <laughs> <down>. nope that's <laughs> your <laughs> tiger king <laughs> but anyway um i really liked i don't know if this is typical it was new to me the idea of the core that in a society where everyone time travels a lot the idea of giving people their profession, pilot X, ambassador X, instructor X, that's partly that anchors you in time as Mm -hmm. you proceed through your career. And so when our friend meets someone who says, oh, welcome ambassador X, he's like, I'm not an ambassador yet, but I guess I will be. Like, this is a convention of time. And then the one group of people who don't use their profession are the core Mm -hmm. and they are people who do not travel in time in order to create a continuity and that was a cool concept to me it was new to me but steve i bet it was not new to you
1: um that is not a doctor who convention okay
2: okay but pretty cool
1: But it is pretty cool to have a society of time travelers and to have that opposite group that does Mm -hmm. not travel in time very, very much in order to keep that continuity, in order to be that group that knows how things go without jumping back and forth. The the idea of the TVA in the Loki series, the idea of having a group that knows how it's supposed to go, and if it doesn't go that way, they have to fix it. This is slightly different than that, but yes. this is a group that operates differently so that they can have conversations about time travel.
0: And one of the things that Alexandra says is that people from the core, because they experience every minute of their present, they have more reality. And so she says to Pilot X, hey, as a time traveler, you don't actually live your all the time of your own present because you're often off somewhere else doing something else. And so you actually know less than hmm. we do in some ways because you miss so much of your own life. And I thought that was kind of like a philosophical idea that probably speaks to technology. Because I mean, in some ways, I think we could see the core as Luddites, people who deliberately eschew technologies that most of the society embraces in order to keep something of our humanity, something of our reality alive next to. And a lot of Luddites, they're not against Other people using technology, they're just like part of a movement to have like an alternative human approach to life. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, what do we miss by taking part in all of these different technologies? Not time travel, unfortunately, sorry, Steve, but all sorts of other ones.
2: That's a really interesting insight. It it reminds me a little bit of what the Home Depot CEO said a few years ago is that they had to put together instruction uh, videos to help individuals learn how to use tools and to learn how to build stuff and have confidence in, you know, working on their homes and their living environments because it was just something that was not part of their experience. To have a group of people always off and time traveling, you're right. They they may end up losing the nuances of the the day-to-day experiences.
1: And I read it as that philosophical mindfulness, something that we've talked Mm -hmm. about a lot on this show, that idea of just focus on the present don't worry about the future you can't change the future don't worry about the past you definitely can't change the past mindfulness in the present is so important back to bill murray for a second i know ghostbusters bill murray is is that guy who has been preaching mindfulness has been preaching you should be present as much as you possibly can in the now and i think that the core is speaking to that the idea for us the reader of just just slow down just have this moment don't worry about the past don't worry about the future that's really well written here how about the instant you like you like the the idea of a weapon that is time
0: i like that a lot and i like the idea that for a long time this group was pretending they had this weapon and like they have all these like super secret spy moments and where they're moving the weapon around and keeping it safe and keeping it protected but don't open the briefcase because of course there is no such weapon but by acknowledging that it exists and keeping it secret they are preventing other people from building one but then of course our friend pilot x does build one
1: Mm mm-hmm And then we get to the the real core of this story, where he has to decide the fate of the universe. This weapon can fix the time war, and does he have the, the personal fortitude to destroy all of the enemies and his own people in the name of peace and security? that's the the real message of this story, is, is how do you make a decision like that?
0: And just to clarify, he would be destroying the history, the actual timeline of three civilizations only. But they're the mm-hmm. ones that he's a part of, two enemies and then his own people. He would be making that choice in order to save all the civilizations. And there's no number given of how many there are. But... It's the, the idea of sacrificing the few for the many and how hard it is to make that decision.
1: And how he would stick with that decision. That decision would not go away in his mind. Everybody else wouldn't know that it happened. Everybody else would just go on with their day. It wouldn't it wouldn't have occurred. But in his mind, he would live with that for the rest of his life. And that's, that is quite a dilemma for our main character here.
2: In fact, that's that's what I found the interesting that's the tickler of the brain isn't it if it didn't exist did you do it but I mean even if it's something is you know this is one of those areas that you know you have the, the good angel over your shoulder following your um your actions your choices that you make was it was that the right choice or was it not the right choice and that
1: is the core of doctor who That is the Uh core of the idea of this adventurer going through these things. When I solve the problem of one person, if I save this one person today, what is the ripple effect throughout time? Is it a good idea to, you know, change history in order to save these people, or will that affect? everybody in a way that I'm not seeing from my perspective
0: and I think one of the things I really liked is the way Tom Merritt set up the novel with the three sections after before and now and so we know like he tries to give us the time traveler perspective as readers so we know from that after part that pilot x does it He Mm -hmm. destroys his own civilization and the reason we know that is because the Alendons his species are considered to be like this mythical never really existed so the the exist only in fairy tales Hmm. so we as readers get that experience of Pilot X moving through time knowing things that other people don't know and so we are never in any doubt about what he's going to choose because we read the after before we read the before and certainly Mm -hmm. before we read the now. So that I I thought that was really, really clever and really satisfying as a reader.
1: And I think he pulls that off without a paradox, which is that is one of the most complicated parts of writing time travel is how do I tell this story without, making it nullified by telling the story. Because if I traveled back in time and murdered Hitler, I would never have traveled back in time because there was no Hitler to go back in time to murder. That paradox, he avoids that very well here. So do you you think of other novels that we've read when you think of of the writing of Tom Merritt? Do you think he's been influenced by some of the other things other than Doctor Who here?
0: Well, and do you want to tell us a little bit about the Doctor Who influences before we go into other things we've read, Steve? Just because I'm not as much. Like, what are some of the main Doctor Who influences?
1: Okay, so the main, main influence is the name of his ship is the Verity. Uh-huh. Verity Lambert was the woman who made Doctor Who in 1963. Ooh. Without Verity Lambert, this show would not be celebrating its 58th year today. Oh, well, that's a Verity- homage.
0: I love that that and i didn't know that thank you
1: cool she is beloved in the doctor who community she made this happen and all of the stories that are told uh, she was facing an uphill battle in 1963 female was going to be in charge and and nobody was willing to listen to her, but she had this idea. She knew what needed to be done and facing all of the obstacles of 1963, the, the cameras that they used were enormous. 1963 TV cameras were so huge, they could not move them outside of the studio. The studio got incredibly hot every day. <laughs> Because of the lights and all of the movement. And every day at a certain time, the power would go out because of the heat. Every day. (laughs) Wow. It's it's a miracle that this show got off the ground at all, much less celebrate 58 years (laughs) of joy. And Verity Lambert is the one who made that happen. So calling the ship the Verity and showing that relationship between Pilot X and his ship, that real love between those two characters and seeing the progression of the Verity ship in here is just, it's wonderful.
0: And, you know, that reminded me a lot of Hail Mary, the Andy Weir Mm -hmm. book we read just a couple months ago. This idea of writing a, a whole story where you really just have that one narrator, that one guy. And now, obviously, Pilot X interacts with more people, but in a sort of similar way that most of the narrative... We are just with Pilot X and his ship. And so he spends a lot of time. And I felt like in some ways, Verity had some things in common with Rocky the alien that uh, Andy Weir's character met (laughs) because they kind of like hung out and talked things through. And Rocky was really smart in different ways. Than, uh, than Grace was. And so here, like, Verity's an awesome character. And mm-hmm. she's the reason that Pilot X is able to spend so much time alone and able to even conceive of killing every other creature in his race and his species.
1: Yeah, this is the kind of AI that I dream of. I (laughs) really, truly want an AI in my life that will be that voice in my head that will help me through whatever I'm getting through and, and really be able to change and adapt to situations. The verity here is sarcastic. Yeah. And I love how he writes that Pilot X goes, "Wait a minute, did you tell a joke? Wait is that <laughs> another joke? Are you telling jokes?" And, and the ship replies, yes, i'm I'm telling jokes it's It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So you
0: now I thought that idea at the end where Pilot X is the only one who holds the information, that reminded me a lot of recursion. okay right? now maybe less of an ethical conflict for the character in Recursion because it was like, would you like to save the earth or not save the earth? There was not really, you know, obviously, yes, save the earth. But um, but that idea that no one else knew what he had done or could ever know, he was the only one who carried that information, mm-hmm. I thought was very similar.
1: And the the scope of the the story for Recursion almost seems bigger than this, even though this is universe, this is so many planets and so many people. In recursion, we get this destruction of the earth happens over and over and over and over again. And we get to feel the emotion of that. This seems more disconnected from us, the reader.
0: That's a really good point. I think that this is a, this is much more of an intellectual foray into time travel rather than an emotional one. And Hmm. I actually just yesterday did a book club about Octavia Butler's Kindred, which is an extremely different kind of time travel um, where a woman, a Black woman from 1976, time travels back into the antebellum South and experiences life as a slave. It's a very, very different, super emotional so um, me, somebody's that,
2: podcast reviewed you, it a couple weeks. You ago. Should, you should
1: review you should listen to podcasts, Pam, because I reviewed it last week. Oh, you just reviewed it too! Oh my goodness! <laughs> Every once in a while, step away from Gray's Anatomy and listen to a podcast. <sighs> oh, I will, Steve. I'm so
2: glad. That's
0: great because. And I'm going to take a little credit because I used oh, you to, Octavia. You take
2: 100% the of the credit.
1: Around. That is that is what I said last week was Pam said to read Octavia <laughs> Butler, and I discovered Octavia Butler has a time travel novel for her first novel, yep. and it is so good. It mm-hmm. is so well put together with zero paradox. Mm-hmm. So
0: you, my friend, have had the similar experience to me in that reading, like this is like the two extremes, a very intellectual approach to time travel and a very emotional approach to time travel. And reading them together just highlights the grand potential of this subgenre of science fiction. It's just awesome.
1: Then we get to the end of this book, which is the beginning, actually, right? <laughs> yeah. So so you that love endings, I was thinking of you while I was reading this. This is kind of not the end of the story at the end because of this wonderful time travel that Tom has given us.
0: Well, and I did really, really like the end of this, for sure, um, which is called Now, which goes back to that mindfulness issue that you were talking about. So I really like that when Pilot X is talking to Alexandra, his love interest, and oh, reminder about the time traveler's wife too. It was just a small part, but that idea that they can never, she's a member of the core they can never be together because they can only interact super briefly. She has to be part of what he kills, right? She mm-hmm. cannot move from her timeline. So, and that notion of when you meet someone, it's your first time meeting them and it's their 30th time meeting you. That is like such a, such like a really fun mind bend. And if that reminded love me that, of Time Traveler's life.
1: If you love that, you will love Doctor Who because the doctor's wife is named River Song and they meet at the end of her life and she says, this is the youngest I've ever seen you, and Ooh. then they have all the adventures ahead of him, but she's had all of those experiences and it is heartbreaking it is heartbreaking yeah. but then we, the, the reader and the listener, because they do radio plays, and the viewer, because they do TV episodes, we get to experience that, knowing that this love is so deep, it transcends time, that that's wonderful writing there's probably a phil so,
2: uh, collins song for that
0: <laughs> now i do want to note that the three books that are most brought up in terms of pilot x were all steve choices just to note
2: <laughs>
1: uh let
2: me- steve, steve has a trope
1: Steve has a trope, and and Tom Merritt certainly is in a very, very, very similar fandom to me. I don't know how much of the... Uh, Twin Peaks references you got in Pilot X, but he is a big fan of Twin Peaks. Mm. There's definitely the Doctor Who references that are blatant, blatant yes. Doctor Who references. Yeah. These are definitely storylines that he thought of from there, and a little bit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There's a little bit of punning and word play, and it, Tom Merritt definitely uh, reads the same books that I read. That's for well, sure.
0: And just that, like the Pineapple Planet.
1: That just felt like such a.
0: That felt like such a Hitchhiker's Guide thing. I loved it.
1: The Pineapple Planet, and and I love the way that he keeps coming back to that in in such a a muppety uh, running gag way, and then tries to explain it. and And the explanation for me, the explanation (laughs) just I didn't need it. I
2: just wanted the running gag. Well, I mean, do you think that is part of NaNoWriMo? You just basically have to put something, a placeholder.
0: But I think, though, I'm going to stand up for the explanation of the pineapple planet, because I think that goes to the larger theme, which brings us back to the ending of, like, the work that stories do for our civilization. So, indeed, at the end of this, we find out that, um, you know, he does make the big move. And he thinks, but wait a minute, how are people going to process like the loss of all these timelines? And Alexandra says, you know, scientists, they always think of something to explain away the odd. And the answer, in fact, is that that's what dark matter is. So dark matter is something we don't truly understand. Um, we spend a lot of t- no, you and I maybe, but people spend a lot of time thinking about it, theorizing about it, whatever. But we don't have a fantastic explanation for it. Well, Maybe it's the lost (laughs) timelines created Mm. by time lords called the Alendons, who we Mm. think of as, um, you know, fairy fairy tale tale or mythology um, that we think only exists on paper, only exists in words and stories. Um, So I just, I loved, again, that intellectual play with the relationship between reality and fiction or fantasy. So I was very satisfied by this ending.
1: Chip, what do you think? Do, you, you haven't uh,
2: shared too much of your thoughts about this book. Did you enjoy this? I did enjoy it. I I found it was uh, a nice pace. Um, I, mm-hmm. I I was understanding what was going on as I was going through it. I liked the tickler of of the uh, the philosophical, um, yeah, sort of mind game of you know which would you choose. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a lot of fun.
1: I I enjoy this book a lot. There is a sequel. It is called Trigor, T R I G O R, Trigor. And I have not read it yet, but I am going to pick up Trigor, the sequel to Pilot X, after reading this a second or third time. I'm not sure how many times I've read this book. This is definitely a book written for me. If you're a fan of Doctor Who, Star Wars. I forgot to mention Star Wars. Yeah, Tom Merritt is a big fan of Star Wars, just like me. And Twin Peaks. It's got everything in there for you. And it's that NaNoWriMo, that idea of putting together a novel that you can do it, that you can put down words every day and at the end come out with a novel. He did get this one published through InkShares, and he is a published author, and you can do it too. That's the message of this book, I think.
0: And thank you, Steve, for bringing it to my attention, because I hadn't read it, and I'm really glad I have.
1: That's Pilot X by Tom Merritt, published in 2017. Scroll with it. Brings us to our scroll with it. Hey, Chip. Ah, Chip, I've got news. Grenadier, our house band, has... finally released their new album, and it is available now on Bandcamp, and and I'm told that it's going to be on Spotify very soon. It's called Stories, and it's filled with like every genre of music, every kind of idea of how we
2: are all stories. Absolutely, Grenadier is a fantastic band, and we are very lucky to have them, and very lucky to to, uh, have them allow us to use their music. Yep, go to Bandcamp or look in our show notes. Look up Grenadier stories. It's so much fun. I've listened to it like four times. Steve, it, it is a special time of the year. The holidays are upon us. And, you know, while Thursday is Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, there is a festival in our area. Steve, the, the Turkey Testicle Festival happens on Wednesday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, before you get the turkeys, the turkeys have to be processed, and the turkey testicles are a part of the process, and on Wednesday in Huntley, Illinois, you can go join us at the Turkey Testicle Festival at the Parkside Pub, and you'll have a ball. You'll have a ball or two. <laughs> This is our annual Pam is making a face. This is our annual celebration of Thanksgiving here in, in the Illinois area. It's it's a big party and a lot of fun. And
0: what are you grateful for at the Turkey Testicle Festival? There's
1: there's you can count a few things that you're that you're grateful
2: for.
0: <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay, fair. It's this a, is all a, news a, to it, me, my friends. <laughs> it's
2: a unique it's a unique time. I'm sorry, unique time. Turkey Day
1: is happening on Thursday after the Turkey Testicle Festival. You guys know, Pam, you know what Turkey Day is, right? Uh,
0: Thanksgiving?
1: No! Turkey Day is the day that we watch bad movies, also known as turkeys. Ah. The Turkey Day Marathon is starting at 9 a.m. Eastern on every Thursday. Possible streaming servers you can think of YouTube and Twitch and Pluto TV We're gonna watch bad movies together on Thursday and the mystery science theater guys are going to tell us the titles of the 13 movies that they are riffing for season 13. That's coming out very very soon I look forward to uh, our community of people watching bad movies together on turkey day but today Today, November twenty-third,
2: is a very special day in too much scrolling history, isn't it, Chip? Steve, we read uh pilot, Steve, and it seemed to be uh, related to something that you liked.
1: Yes. Today is the anniversary of the first episode of Doctor Who airing on the BBC eleven twenty three sixty three. three sixty63 Does Who? it sound familiar? Who? Does it sound familiar? Who? <laughs> yeah, it, precisely. This was the day after the JFK assassination 1122 63 this was a, a pivotal moment in world history because Doctor Who aired on november 23rd 1963 58 years ago that's a long time
2: if we could only go back in time
1: <laughs> you mean we need Huey Lewis for that is that what you're trying to indicate <laughs> The good news is we don't have to go back in time. We can celebrate Doctor Who all weekend long. Chicago TARDIS, the Doctor Who convention, is starting on Friday after Thanksgiving, just like it always did. Don't don't worry about 2020. It just, just skip 2020. If you're a time traveler and you go to 2020, just be advised it is triple the length of a normal year and just skip 2020. There's a big sign at the beginning of 2020.
2: And don't worry, kids. It's right next to a Target and right across the street from a mall so you can Big get your mall. black friday done and get your doctor who on that's right i look forward to
1: seeing all my friends at chicago tardis it is it is the thing that i look forward to all year long and uh, we're gonna see each other and enjoy each other's company in the moment and be at chicago tardis go to chicagotardis.com for all the details
2: and you know you can always want to drive your dalek there
1: The Dalek boys will be there. Dalek Alley will be there. There will be at least three Daleks, if not more, riding around in the hotel, trying to uh, go around all the normals that that will be in the hotel. I love that. That's my favorite part of the convention, is there's people in the hotel that are like, what the heck is going on here? are all these (laughs) weird people? Why are these robots walking around? i don't know chip i think we have enough information to survive another week what do you think only if we can come back next week steve what do you think pam
0: agreed and i'd like to come back next month
1: Ooh, pam's still on for for reading more books and getting more literature in our lives thank you so much pam for joining us and for reading this book with us i look forward to our next pick we would love to hear from you. Uh, what are you doing for Turkey Day? Oh, and Thanksgiving. <laughs> Give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805 4 TMS. Our website is too much scrolling.com. Our email is too much scrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And you can always ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Too Much Scrolling. I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Fodor. I beg your pardon. I'm Tom Turkin.
0: And I'm Pam Vidor.
1: <laughs> see you in the future, or is it the past? What I want to thank you for, what I want to thank you for, it means so very much without you. I would
0: never see the light. Push the button, Steve.